We are moving on to our second subject in Mesilat Isha in Nakiyot now, which is promiscuity. Remember, the first problem was financing and money and monetary issues, which we've been speaking about for a few days. Now we're talking about Nakiyot uh, in Beinolevena, in relationships between men and women. Uh, Ramchal sustains that this is second in place to the most frequently uh, uh, most frequent failing of religious people. Um, it might have changed, right? Certainly because uh, in, in the days of the Ramchal, people became involved in their financial reality much sooner than people become involved in financial responsibility today. Very often uh, in our uh, time, people aren't worrying about their financial stability until they're in their mid-twenties. Uh, in the days of the Ramachal, it could have been early teens. Uh, and therefore, the challenges of financing and uh, honesty in financing might have been uh, much earlier in the days of the Ramachal than it is for us. Uh, be that as it may, in his second uh, sukya here, he talks about... Um, he talks about uh, promiscuity. That's the word I've chosen. This is going to be incredibly challenging to my students, to us, to our community, who have chosen uh, to to live in a society that is, by definition, co-ed. Uh, the challenges here are more than enormous. Uh, I do point out two issues uh, to students when we're dealing with this subject that, that make the issues even more serious today than they necessarily were in the times of Ramchal. Uh, number one is that I believe that people in the times of Ramchal were getting uh, betrothed, uh, committed to each other at a much younger age, um, maybe as young as 13 or 14. Uh, that being the case, the period of time with which people had to struggle with this issue was considerably shorter. And if you take into account the interest that boys have for girls and vice versa and what age that begins, it's quite possible that they had no more than a year to struggle with this issue. Uh, as opposed to today, where people are getting married in their mid-twenties, sometimes even later, and then their, their sexual maturity is happening when they're still when they're 12 or 13, they are struggling with this issue for over a decade plus. Um, and obviously a person's ability to be stable and, uh, and uh, hold their religious commitment for a longer period of time is much more challenging than for a shorter period of time. That's one difference. Um, the other difference is the surroundings that we live in. Uh, it's not that promiscuity never existed. All of the things that exist in our uh, day, in our time, existed in the days of the Ramchal. They existed from the beginning of creation. However, uh, the way the public, the public value system uh, worked has changed considerably. Um, it could be, it's, it's a subject of a lot of interest to me, whether this, the, our, our reality today is an indirect or even a direct ramification of two world wars, two world wars where people left their homes, men left their homes for a considerable amount of time. Certainly Americans 
um, on the front in Europe or, or in Australia or wherever they may have been, depending on the war, depending on their unit, were, even if they got leave for a weekend, they weren't able to get home, which means the reality of an American soldier serving in France was that if he got a weekend off, he did not go back to New York for the weekend, right? That isn't what happened during the war, which means in real terms, people were separated from their families, from their wives for a long period of time, years, and in addition to that, their lives were at risk, in which case when a person without religious values uh, feels that they're about to die, then uh, it's live for today because tomorrow may never come in real terms, in absolute real terms. And this led to a lot of promiscuity uh, in occupied territories. It, it led to a lot of women back at home being, uh, being unfaithful as well. People would serve in the army for four or five years, get home and find that their wife was no longer their wife, she was already with other people, there's no connection, no iPhones, there's WhatsApps, you know, contact is through letters. And uh, my feeling is, again, I can't prove it, it's just a theory that after two world wars uh, and considerable disruption to, to, to the norms of, of, of the Western world and the values of the Western world, by the time you reach the 60s, the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, you've got this concept of free love, you've got this concept of... Uh, of really no boundaries in physical behaviour, um, which is considerably different. I just have to point out to you, though, I know it's not exactly the same, and I understand that it's more complex, and I know that this story is more complex than someone like Reinhard Heydrich, who became the head of the, uh, the Jewish department of the SS and really responsible for the final solutions. He was assassinated in 1943, early 1943, by Czech partisans in near Prague. Um, he was initially betrothed to uh, the daughter of a very important Navy officer and he broke off the engagement. It's a bit more complex because he, he, he seems to have been engaged to two people simultaneously. But just for breaking off the engagement, he lost his commission in the Navy. Uh, he got kicked out of the German Navy um, and uh, much to our misfortune, he, he then became uh, Himmler's second-hand man. Uh, by a quirk of fate, really, not because he was in any way qualified for the secret police. Um, but he, he was thrown out of the Navy simply for not keeping a promise to marry a woman that he was engaged to. And we know, right, from reading the various books that we read, the classics of, of, of previous centuries, that, that at some stage holding a hand or a peck on the cheek was, was, was a statement of commitment or, or a reflection of a serious development in a relationship. Simply, so... so, so Jewish people were surrounded by, uh, at least officially, social norms that, that recognised the fact that a person had to control themselves a little bit physically. We are not surrounded by those norms anymore. This simply does not exist. So a, a kid growing up today has two particular issues to, to battle with. Number one, uh, they're, they're just not going to get... They're going to be physically mature for, for 10, maybe 12, 13 years before they contemplate marriage. And therefore, any boy or girlfriend they have in that time to meet the challenge of refraining from the various uh, physical acts that, that, that would come to mind is very, very challenging. And it's even more challenging when the people around you are not doing it, right? When there is no value in the Western world of, of, of specific behavior, of specific limitations, of specific ways to behave. And therefore, the norm isn't to do anything. And you, you are com you're considered particularly strange, you know, if, 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 if you reached a certain age and, and you know nothing about this. Not in the from Jewish world, but in the irreligious Jewish world, in the irreligious Jewish world, and the in 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 the world as as such, and this has put in front of us some incredible challenges with regards to Beinol between him and her, 
I don't want to go into the subject here uh, about uh, co-ed as opposed to separate. Um, I, I don't even want to discuss the Bedi Eved Lekat Chile Bedi Eved issue because I, I'm not even sure that this phraseology of Lekat Chile and Bedi Eved, meaning Lekat Chile, you should be separate, Bedi Eved, uh, co-ed is okay. And certainly there isn't a, an idea of to suggest that something would be would be to suggest that it, the ideal would be for Yeshiva HaKotel and Midrash HaRova to, to share the same Beit Midrash. No one has ever suggested that. No serious Orthodox posek has ever said. So it's definitely not to do co-ed in that way, uh, an ideal that we would aiming for do. I, I think more to talk in terms of it's a reality. You know, there are realities where there are mixed societies, in which case, how do we behave in those societies? Now, fear for me, you know, I think we save a lot of souls through co-ed. Um, as someone who, who has a background in Bnei Akiva, there were many, many people who came to Bnei Akiva who weren't keeping Shabbos. And were it not for the fact they came to Bnei Akiva in England, I can only speak about England, they, I don't think they'd be from today. They might have even married out today. So it's Hatzalat Nefashot, which is very important, and everyone knows not everyone, but most people who deal in this subject are very aware of the tube of the Sridei Aish, where he was approached immediately after the Holocaust in France, and there were orphan children in a youth organization called Yeshurun, and they asked that they be together. And he gave a sign that they can be together with very, very strict uh, adherent guidelines. It wasn't, it wasn't you can be together, therefore as a heter to do everything. There were guidelines of the way that they, they, they should and are allowed to behave, and that is probably the... Uh, the most frequently quoted source regarding co-ed. Co-ed is a reality. What I would say about that reality in our society is that if you choose that reality as a religious Jew, then what accompanies that reality is an absolute responsibility to make sure that any co-ed that you are involved in is done totally in accordance with halacha. What I mean to say is, if you look at that three-day age when he allows boys and girls to be in the same youth movement, he's very strict about how they should sit and how they should be separated in certain uh, joint pe'iluyot. The idea here isn't simply it's muta and therefore you can do whatever you want. On the contrary, someone who is involved in co-ed uh, and is, is saving the shamot is doubly responsible to ensure that the way in which they are running their program is totally adherent to halacha. And of course, the people running the program believe in it. Obviously, you can't run a co-ed program and try and hold certain restrictions and limitations to the boys and girls if their counsellors are not holding by those restrictions and are not holding by... It's certainly not a game. You know, sometimes I feel that when people talk about Negia and they talk about Shmirat Negia, it's become a bit of a... Uh, a bit of a word get, are you shomer, are you not shomer, like, are you vegetarian, are you vegan? I, I don't understand. It's a halacha, it's a very serious halacha and a very, very, very challenging halacha. I do think, you know, there are certain guidelines here which are important and I think it is very difficult to hold, to have a, a relationship with a person of the opposite sex, uh, which is a boy-girlfriend type relationship uh, and, and adhere to halacha if this goes on forever. I think, I think it's very questionable whether you should do this at all if, you don't, if you're not in the process of, of intending to get married, meaning that you have no intention that 14, 15, 16-year-olds who enter these relationships, they're not about to get married in our society uh, and in most societies, in which case one has to question the ability of people to enter this 
kind of relationship and adhere strictly to the halacha. The halachas here are very, very serious and very complex. I will enumerate some of them tomorrow just to clarify, but, but this is a very serious subject. I don't want this, uh, my recordings on this subject to be shared. Anyone who's in the group, if you have questions, come back to me. This isn't for public uh, consumption. Uh, and I'll try and go into more details tomorrow, but we do have to take this seriously. It's a society that most of you live in, I, I've always lived in, and, and has to be related to and has to be applied towards, but with, with, with enormous seriousness and not with a smile and a wink. Okay, have a great day.